Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. I think we have a lot to work through in our Christian journey about discerning, is this really the blessing of God or is this something that will later lead to something that is is unhealthy for us? Something that was really meant to be a testing and we should have responded in like manner in a testing rather than it was a blessing. Not everything that's brought to you that seems like a blessing is from God. We have to use discernment. We have to ask God to help us to choose wisely and look through at things and say, is this from you, Lord? Because not everything is directly from God. In that sense, the enemy can stir up things. I want to look up something here and share with you. Isaiah 28, there's a little thing in Isaiah 28 Kind of David seemed to have a, a grip on this, this thought. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. We know who that is, right? We know what that's talking about now. We get it. We're looking back and we see it. That's the person of Jesus Christ. That's the, the, the Lord. He's the cornerstone. Whoever believes, look at, look at this latter part of it. I'd I'd underline it, I'd highlight it, I'd circle it, I'd put an asterisk by it, I'd mark this up good. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Whoever believes will not act hastily. The enemy's the one oftentimes that's getting us to rush, 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 and do this and grab that, you know, all over the place, you know, just do this, do this, do this, do this, you know. And when when God's not, God just moves so even keeled. But the enemies go, go, go there, do this, do that, blah, you know, just bouncing off the of walls. You know, no. I believe we need to be deliberate. I believe we need to move circumspectly. I believe all those things are true. But I do not believe that we need to be hastily in situations. I think we need to be wise about things. I noticed when I go through Mark's gospel, there was something that was immediate, wasn't it? He said, immediately, immediately, immediately. There's something that is urgent, yes. But hastily is something different, isn't it? Hastily is just, you know, kind of ransacking quickly through and doing something haphazardly, possibly. Wielding a sword unwisely. But David did cut the hem of his garment. And afterward, after he had done that, his heart was troubled. He was convicted, man, inside himself because he had cut that garment, that he'd cut that little patch out of there. Do you remember something that was interesting? Do you remember when we were reading through Ruth's account? when Ruth was, uh, and, and she was with Boaz and she had gone in, remember, and she had gone down to the feet of Boaz and she had lifted up his garment. And, and all it was was just by his feet, what's down, this, this same skirting basically was around the base of that. And she wanted, what does it tell? The story of his heritage, the story of his thing, the destination, all the things that are tied to who he is, Right? And it's got the commandments of the Lord. And it's just, it's just this wonderful 
story that's there in these nodings that are put there in, in this, at the base of the garment. And she pulled it back and kind of got up underneath that. Wanted to be under the covering of, remember? And he said, and he woke up, he realized, so what's going on, you know? There's this gal, whoa, 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 what's up, you know? He's trying to figure out what's happening. And she says, you are my nearest kin. You are my kinsman redeemer. You see, that's what Jesus is to us. Isn't that what we want? We want to get underneath the covering of who he is. I want to be associated with his pedigree. I want to be covered by that. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to be covered by that. He knows where all the resources are in the universe. I want to be covered by that. You see, whatever you need, whatever there is, God is He's the great I am, the becoming one. What is your need? And on top of that, he knows what's best for you in what you need. This is the, that's the significance of the hem of that garment. She wanted to be brought underneath the covering of Boaz. It's this, the symbolism and the things tied to that are wonderful. What about in Revelation chapter 19? Jesus is riding in on the horse, right? He's riding in on the horse. He's got his garment pulled up, right? And it says on his thigh is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That thing that they can read about who he is, maybe that's what that represents. It, these are great things to ponder and think about. It's very possibly true. It could be. I'm just saying, man, that hem and that thing that the gal wanted to get, I just know if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe she knew, see, what we don't know in just, oh, the hem of a garment, what big deal, you know? But to her, she knew what it, what it represented, you know, what it said, who he is, what family he's a part of. That's radical, isn't it? The lion of the tribe of Judah, you know? Just, just thinking about who, who he is and, and what might have just been knotted around in through there, the base of his. If I could just get close enough just to get my hand on that. I know. And all this was was a point of contact, a place of release for the faith to just, you know, and she just believed that, man, if I could get to that point, then I know God will heal me, you know. And she got to that place and, and Jesus sensed, you know, the release of, of the faith and, and the, the healing power, the things that transpire in, in the spirit realm, the hem of the garment. He gets convicted because he's cut something, he's severed something, he's marked, he, he's done something and he's reminded of, because he knows what that talks about, the anointing of who Saul is as the king. Now you and I would say, like David's mighty men would say, David, dude, look it, man. He got a little flask. You had the whole horn of oil dumped all over you. You know, this is, you think about that. He had, you, you, you were really anointed. But what is David thinking about in all of this? While they're telling him this, he's got to be thinking through. And he goes through and he says, look it. He says to his men, in verse six, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He says, this guy's the king the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing his, he is the anointed of the Lord. And David, by saying this, restrains his servants from doing anything further, from killing Saul or doing anything else. Think with me just for a moment. What other things did they um, anoint? There, it wasn't just 
people, right? It wasn't just people to be king that were anointed. You go through and all, everything, the lavers, the, all the instruments that they used, right? Everything that they used in the tabernacle was anointed for the purpose and use of the, of, of the kingdom, right? They would use that for the sacrifices and for all the different toolings and, and different stuff. This is amazing when you look at this and you say, well, this is really what David's saying. I re, I'm recognizing, and this is where the, if you'll allow me just to flip this coin over once, just one time on this part, is the idea that it's not just about speaking against God's anointed, yes, or doing things against God's anointed, but it's also recognizing that there are going to be those circumstances and people and situations that God is going to use. David is being really tempered by this journey he's on with God. And God is speaking to him all this time. If we read through, which we don't have time to, and go through and start researching and looking at the Psalms that David had written that were tied to this time period, and, and what was going on while he's hiding out in the caves of En Gedi and so on, and the things that were happening while Saul's after his life, and how God's using those things in his life. You see, you and I push against, we don't like, I don't like the message. Therefore, I don't like the messenger. I don't like the messenger because I don't like the message. I don't like the instrument that God is using in this situation to carve on me or to do that work in my life. We, we, we push up against that when in reality, I think David here, what a wise lesson for us to learn is that God does use those instruments that sometimes are inflicting something on us that are difficult, but it's developing something in you and me. It's developing a character. It's, it ultimately, the sum of your life and my life is the experiences that we are engaged in, the things that happen that God has allowed to shape and to mold us into the people that he's purposed for us to be as we journey along. And that's a, a full life journey, isn't it? That's from cradle to grave, you know? I mean, you're just on this journey and God's shaping and molding. Think of the times before you came to the Lord and the people that kind of crossed your path. I remember thinking back after I gave my life back to the Lord, the people that God brought into my life, I mean, in the weirdest places, in the oddest circumstances, and I would run into these people and people, they'd just be reminding me about who I was really supposed to be in the Lord and what God's purpose and plan was. Crazy stuff that would happen. I couldn't escape. I'd go down to Mexico to go sport fishing. I couldn't escape from these people, these Christians. I'd bump into them everywhere I went. I couldn't stand in a, a, a urinal in a public restroom without the guy coming up next to me talking, but you know, his buddies on the other side and I gotta listen to their cross conversation standing in the restroom talking about God and stuff. Are you kidding me? It was like the hounds of heaven. I could, I could go nowhere. You, I could, we can run, but you can't hide type thing. I, I go back and I recount these things. And I remember, man, those were all instruments of the Lord being used to get my attention, to shape. And God's still doing that in our lives. Oftentimes we resist this, but I think this was so wonderful that what David realized was, man, you know what? I'm not gonna go against because God's anointed that person. And if God wants to use that person in that way, so be it. Let's read on because the story goes on. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, 
David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. He acknowledged him as the king. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? He says, man, why are you believing these people? You, know, you, you and your paranoid thoughts, man. Why are you believing these people that are telling you that I'm out to get you? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into, the hand, into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Because you know what? I, I, I wouldn't do it. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. You know, it's his father-in-law, you know? And he holds up now. He's got part of that base around the hem some of the knots and stuff. He's holding them up, holding them up for everybody to see and holds them up for Saul to see. I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And he says, look, I've got the corner of your robe in my hand in verse 11, about midway through. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. My hand shall not be against you. As a proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do, do you pursue? A dead dog, a flea? He's saying, look at man, what are, you, what are you really after here? He's just kind of challenging Saul in this whole thought. And therefore, the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So David takes that little sliver and slice that he holds up and he says, look, this is the situation. You know, I, I could have wiped you out, but I chose not to. Now, it's kind of proof that I'm not out to kill you because I had every opportunity to kill you, but I didn't do that. And Saul, in seeing this, you know, obviously we're gonna see he kind of has this <laughs> brief lapse of maybe something good going on for him, but it really is very short-lived. But verse 15, therefore let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me. You know, in Romans, the Bible says, and Paul says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You know, leaving room to let God be God is really, really, really important. Allowing God room to work. One thing I don't notice with David, I don't notice any bitterness Nothing like that in this situation. He's just, hey, this is what I could have done. I didn't do it. It's proof of my heart. I'm telling you, I've had a handful of circumstances that were, you know, things that I understand this. I could have done this, but I did not. I chose not to do that. And, you know, it's proof of the heart of, and the character and the nature of who 
David is and who God's creating, what he's doing. And it shows really, isn't he? That he's a, a, a man after God's. He's pursuing after God's heart. There's no doubt. This, this is a good window into who he is as a person. And he leaves the situation in the hands of God. Look, Saul, look at man. You know what? Let God judge between you and me. Let's let God decide how this is gonna all play out. Saul's response in verse 16, so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? You know, this guy's totally one side and down the, he's, he's pretty weird, isn't he? Is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. A pretty unstable situation. And then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. Truth be told, huh? That's a fact. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? You know, obviously the answer is, yeah, no way. Therefore, May the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, look at verse 20. I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Wow. It's all true. This is like this, this I, don't, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a spot. I lived for having given my life to the Lord as a young person, actually really meeting the Lord, 12 years old, 13 years old, really met God and then turned away from God. And it was a rough, I guarantee you, man, that was a rough 10 years or so of my life when I just kind of fell back into the world and, and, and fell away from the Lord. That was a rough 10 years because I am telling you, anyone who has known God, really met God and not walking with God, I assure you, I know by personal experience, you are the most miserable person on the face of this earth. You see the natural man that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapters one, two, and three, when we talked about the natural man, there's these three states of being kind of. There's the natural man, the natural person who's never met Jesus Christ. You know, he's just a, a, just a natural person. They're just living their life. You know, they, they just, they have no... They have an idea maybe about God or there's some kind of soul searching from time to time, but there's no awakening within in the spiritual man to speak of. So it's kind of dormant. And so they don't really feel anything. There's not the same level of, of, of spiritual conscience. I would use that type of a term maybe. And then there's the person who is born again, following God, living the life after the walking in the spirit, the believer. Then there is the carnal Christian the one who knows God, but is not really walking with God. And I fell into that category. And I'm telling you, any amount of that begins to lead toward miserableness, you know? It's just a steady slope down. This is why I encourage all of us, we've got to guard our hearts. We want to walk in the spirit because it's just, it, it's just one step, another step, another step, another step until eventually you just kind of get in this habit of living more of a fleshy life. Now, you know about God, but like we worshiped while we were worshiping, man, I will bow down to no other. Do we really, 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 really believe that? 
Because there's so many things out there vying for our attention and our time and wanting us to yield to them and to bow to it, to yield ourselves to that, whether it's a tendency or something, whatever it might be, a propensity toward, you know? But, but the Lord, man, I know for a fact, man, that there were times where I would have glimmers of clarity like this, even spiritual glimmers of clarity. And one of them was, and I've mentioned this to you, one of them was the time sitting on the park bench. I was wasted. And I, I was just sitting there and I was with one of my buddies that had met the Lord too when we were young guys. And he just looks at me and we, we're both just sitting there you know, it's probably 2.30 or 3. Everything was shut down. We made it, just made it to the liquor store in time to get a 12-er before, you know, we're just sitting on the park bench. It's kind of this misty, foggy, rainy evening. We're just sitting under an old oak tree, literally, a live oak tree, just sitting there in the park by ourselves. And he just looks at me and just goes, man, you ever, you, you ever think much about God? It's like, oh, man. I just, my eyes welled up, you know. I said, man, dude, I think about it almost every day, and I'm going back, man. I can't live like this much longer. I was just... I would, inside, there was a glimmer, even in a drunken stupor, there was a glimmer of reality and truth and, 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 and spiritual consciousness that shined through. This is what I'm saying. That's where, that's where Saul's head's at. It's not a good place. Oh, yay, Saul, this is so awesome. You're, you're really thinking right now. No, don't, don't be deceived. Saul's not that guy. He's as messed up as they get, and he's not think he just has had a glimmer because you know what? Truth is truth. And it sparkles out. He's having an emotional experience here a little bit. Now, I believe true spiritual experiences are emotional at times. I, I really believe that. Thoroughly and completely, I believe that. But it's not based on that. It's based on something much greater than that. It's based on the real true work of God in the heart of man. That, that's really what it's about. It's about the truth really bearing witness and us acting upon that. See, he's just kind of reacting to it, not acting upon it. Two different things. He's just reacting, making this statement here, you know, and just saying that, yeah, now I really know you're gonna be the king and you're the one that's supposed to do it. This is all true, therefore, but, he's gonna, but now he's gonna bargain. <laughs> he's going into bargain mode. He's gonna say, but, but hey, look it. Swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me. And he's already, you remember? This is an easy deal for David to make because he already made this with Jonathan, didn't he? They cut covenant on this very point, didn't they? They talked about that and they said, yeah, I will not destroy you. You're my friend. I'm not gonna destroy you or your, or your family. And that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a, a, a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith and maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of, of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it. 
kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to, to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain. Come, Lord Jesus, come.